0: Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Hosanna's Good Friday experience. It is so good to be with you. My name is Julia, and I'm here with my good friends Riley and Chris and Pear and Drew, and we are just honored to be sitting at the foot of the cross with all of you. Mm -hmm. This is a time where we're all coming together to remember that Jesus suffered and died for each one of us as well as for the whole world. And I think that's an important message for us, particularly during this corona pandemic. Because this is a time where we can remember Jesus went ahead of us. He understands suffering. He understands difficulties. um, But he's also with us in the midst of it. And in his suffering, he proclaimed victory, not defeat. Mm -hmm. And so that is good news and we remember what he did for us. So we're going to just spend some time singing together. We're going to look at some scriptures together. We're going to look at five of the last seven words that Jesus said from the cross. We'll reflect on that together and give you a chance to think about that as well. But it's going to be an important time together, and our hope is that you just experience God's love. And so let's pray about all of that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for each one of us and for the world. Lord, we do pray for every person listening, whether they're in their home, their car, wherever they are, Lord. May may your love, the love because you laid down your life for us, no greater love than that. Your love is there for us. God, may our hearts be filled and overwhelmed with what you have done, that you are willing to go all the way through the cross for us. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen.
2: When I survey. When I survey the. to him I freely give and I
3: sacrifice that you have made. And we ask, gracious God, that your Holy Spirit would be with us tonight as we open your word and, and explore with us and explore together what it means to follow you, our Lord and our Savior, the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, good. Well, it's good to be here with you. It really is good to be here with you all. Yeah, what a blessing. Um, As Julia stated earlier, we are going to be exploring um, five of the last seven words of Jesus and just doing some simple reflections on them. Uh, They're powerful words for us. And the very first one is this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the word freedom, I'm immediately drawn to the word forgiveness like immediately drawn to the word forgiveness. And of course, forgiveness is at the heart of the good news of Jesus, and that's part of the power of the gospel for our lives. Um, But if there's good news, that asserts that there's bad news as well. And that bad news is that we're bound to sin when we fall short of the glory of God. Uh, But not only do we fall short of the glory of God, but sin also causes this separation in our relationship with God and causes separation in relationship with each other and I think for me, causes separation in relationship with who God intended me to be, yeah. with my true self.
4: Absolutely.
3: So, so when I hear those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing, I'm immediately drawn to the freedom that I have to follow God and to be in constructive relationship with other people and to live out the full identity that I have in Jesus. And, and that's just a beautiful thing. And there's a lot of freedom and a a lot of love that goes along with that. But what really magnifies this text for me is those last words. It's not just, Father, forgive them. But Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And, And Jesus speaks those words to the people who have betrayed him, to the people who have condemned him, to the people who have beaten him, who have nailed him to a tree, to those who are mocking him. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. Totally. But when you think about it, um, how many times are there in my life when I think I am doing exactly the right thing? Mm-hmm. But God looks down at me and says, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. I, I'm forgiving you anyway. That's a big difference for me between, between the kind of love I can offer and the kind of love that Christ offers, the kind of grace that I can bring into the world and the kind of grace that God brings into the world, the mercy that is shown uh, that I can show and the mercy that God shows mm-hmm. in the power of the cross. Um, Riley, you had a couple of, of really neat words on this as well. You want to yes. share those with us?
5: Yeah, um, that word mercy uh, really really stuck out to me for the whole theme of this day. And as Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Reminded me of his Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5 when he says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. He showed mercy to those who didn't show mercy to him. He loved, and he practiced what he preached. He said, Lord, forgive them. Show them mercy. Although they persecute me, I love them enough. Have mercy, Lord.
3: Yeah, yeah. amen. So freedom and forgiveness and mercy, but, but the power of what he says on the cross doesn't stop there, does yeah. it? That's right. Yeah.
0: Amen, amen the second word that I get to bring is, um, it's one that gets me every time I read it. It's when Jesus is on the cross and he looks down and he sees his mom and he sees his, uh, one of his disciples, we believe it's John. And he says this, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here's your mother. And I'm a mom. And so I can't even begin to fathom what it must have been like for Mary to be sitting at the cross and looking and and seeing that he had such an injustice, so many lies spoken about her baby, <laughs> and then beaten and then watching him die, I cannot even fathom how her heart must have been broken. Um, but what I think I love about this is that Jesus here he is on the cross, and he's looking outward, and he's seeing her. He always looked outward and and he knew what she needed, and he knew what his disciple John needed, and so he said. Don't just love each other as acquaintances or as buddies. Nope, be a family, be a son and a mother. Um, and I, I just, that is really ringing with me deeply this year of just that feeling of a family that Jesus calls us to something different and that we are called to look at each other in a different way, uh, to love each other in a different way as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And it's, it's changed the way I look at other people and the way that I love. Um, And I think that's what Jesus says. That's how the kingdom, one of the ways the kingdom comes is the way we love each other as a family. So that's what it's saying to me. How about you guys? Anybody else have something?
1: You know, the whole family thing is interesting because, you know, Jesus, you know, he's there on the cross as painful as it is. And yet he's remembering his mother. But the family thing about what makes me think is that, you know, he's the oldest son, Uh, like he's the oldest. And we know he had brothers,
2: Yeah.
4: right?
1: We were talking about this a little bit earlier. We know he had brothers, and so why didn't he have one of those brothers take care of Mary? Oh, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. You know, you kind of wonder, I'm sure everything was cool with the family, but maybe, maybe the brothers weren't there. I don't know. Yeah. But in that moment, John yeah. came, and he was in pain too. He was in sorrow. I mean, his, his, the person he's been following for years is now on a cross. Mm-hmm. Hope is like ending for him in a way, mm-hmm. but yet he's there. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it, the family lines get redrawn. Mm-hmm. Jesus looks to John to say, take care of my mother. Yeah, And this is now your mother. Mm. And it says from that point on that that uh, John took care of Mary. or At least, you know, from that night on as what it said, the, specifically that she was entered into his home. Yeah. Later on, James becomes the head of the church. So we know his brother comes back into the fold and everything's cool <laughs> or whatever. But I guess what I'm getting at is to your point, f- the family of God is way beyond bloodlines. Yes. And it can... It can it can extend through pain and sorrow and connect people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knows how to do it. Yeah. And I think if we can listen in the midst of our own pain and sorrow to Jesus, He might just bring us together with somebody who we'd never thought mm-hmm. imaginable. So, some thoughts English. along with what you're saying. I love it. Great it's great. one of the reasons I love
3: Jesus, yeah, amen. by the way. Amen. I feel like I could say that about forgiveness. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the reasons I'm drawn to Him, you know? Yeah. 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 It's different. It's good. Well, what's interesting about these words is that we go from this deep relational connection to a sense of abandonment, right? I mean, there's a huge contrast there because the next word is this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus goes from pointing out mother and son and who's going to take care of who to proclaiming this sense of abandonment. Let me just ask a question. How many of you have ever felt lonely?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
3: right? I mean, loneliness is a a fairly normal experience, but there's a difference between loneliness and abandonment.
4: Absolutely.
3: Abandonment says that someone was there. Abandonment says that, that there was relationship. Abandonment says that somebody intentionally made a choice to walk away. Um, one of the powerful things about this particular text is that that the word that gets translated as abandoned or sometimes forsake" has the connotation of desertion it 's like you 're in a battle and, and in the midst of this battle, your troop walks away from you and leaves you to die so So think about this um, that that here Jesus is and And he's in this battle, and now he's proclaiming that someone has literally walked away from him in the midst of it all. Um, But but I want us to notice something, and and this is so powerful for me. I want us to notice the language that he uses. He says, my God, my God. He doesn't say, my Father, my Father. And I think at that moment, what what Jesus is really expressing is is the very depth of our own humanity. I mean, Jesus is fully human and fully God. But in that moment, he's expressing the very depth of our humanity that quite often cries out, God, where are you? Where are you? And that's been part of my life. As a pastor, uh, I've walked with a lot of people who, who have expressed exactly that, where the questions become so deep, where the despair becomes so profound that everybody starts crying out, my God, my, where, where are you? Where are you? But ultimately, and, and this, is, this is so powerful for me, Jesus in his humanity is not separated from his divinity. Right. Mm. Because ultimately... It doesn't stop with the question, and neither should it for us. Mm -hmm. The question doesn't define the reality. What what defines the reality is the relationship, Mm -hmm. and we see him ultimately coming back to that relationship Mm -hmm. at the very end of his time on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts, anyone?
6: Yeah, this is uh, this has always been, and um, it's always been a the thing when Jesus said on the cross has always been something that I've always struggled with, Mm -hmm. especially with forsaken and abandonment. It's like, um, we always hear like, God will never abandon you. He'll never forsake you, you know? And then all of a sudden Jesus on the cross is going, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I I love pair how you've, how you tied that in. And, um, but one thing that's really, um, it almost took me on a journey a little bit with this is like, you know, anytime time you read something in scripture, you're always, and it makes you, um, there's tension in it. Either you go into a place of like, I don't really want to look at that, or I want to be drawn into relationship with God, right? And so, for me, I, he, um, when he said that, I, I started studying it a little bit, and it, um, it's referencing Psalm 22. It's the beginning of the psalm. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I, I believe with my whole heart that if Jesus could, in that moment, if he could say the whole psalm, mm-hmm. he would have. Mm-hmm. And in that psalm is the prophetic picture what is actually happening in that moment,
4: right.
6: which is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it, it literally says, like, my hands have been pierced, my feet have been pierced. I am poured out like wax. They're casting lots for my clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And if any, if any educated Jewish man was there, they would have finished that psalm for him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, Jesus, you are, you, that's why I love Jesus, Chris. Yeah.
4: Yeah, right. it's, like,
6: it's like, even in the midst of him being crucified, he is still fulfilling the prophetic, those prophetic things that are written about him. He's yeah. like, hey, look it, this is happening right now. Take, take notice. And, um, and then at the end of that Psalm is literally praising God for what he's going to do in Israel and what he's going to do in the nations Mm -hmm. because of this. Mm -hmm. It was, um, for me, that's, it's like, gives me goosebumps, you know, gives me the Holy Spirit goosebumps. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's crazy. So so love it.
1: It's cool.
0: I love that thought of, of the people sitting listening, and I just wonder if some of those Pharisees began going through it going, wait a minute, wait a minute, what is he saying? That's just yeah. power. They're like, oh, yeah. Ooh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so good, Drew. Uh, the next word, it's just three little words, but so profound, and they are, it is finished. It is finished. And uh, I was thinking about this um, this week, and I, I thought, I wonder if for... Some of the disciples who weren't there, who were, who were running away, if they had in their mind maybe these words, but meaning something different than what Jesus meant. Maybe they were thinking, it's over. We lost. It, it, it's finished. And, and even looking, maybe some maybe even felt foolish. Like, look at the circumstances. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the king. But clearly he must not be. It's over. We lost. And yet, that's not what Jesus was saying. Yeah. Jesus, uh, his it is finished. The Greek is it is accomplished. Sure. It is done. That he accomplished what he set out to do. That he came to bring the kingdom of God. That he came to bring the presence of God. To break down the barriers. And when he was on that cross, he knew it. He was taking on all the sin. Perry, you talked about that a little bit earlier. That, that what separated us from God. He was taking it all on and doing the great exchange and saying, here's my life instead. And it's finished. And I think what has been hitting me so much this week as I've been chewing on this is, do I live like I believe that? Mm. Mm. Do I live daily going, no, it's finished? Or do I try to strive? Do I try to prove that I'm enough? Do I believe that Jesus' death on the cross was enough? I don't do it perfectly. I don't know about you guys. There are some days that I'm striving and I'm struggling and I'm trying to figure that. And then there are other days like today where we get to sit at the foot of the cross and I go, because of this, it is finished. I can't be separated from his love. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in my weakness. My life is not defined by what I do or what I did. It's by what he's done. It's finished. And that is just a profound word. That drives me forward. It's why I love him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I love what you're saying. You know, when you mentioned the three words, yeah. these three little words, like if if I ask the question like what's the most famous three words in the Bible, like the one that comes to my mind anyway <laughs> is in the beginning.
4: Yeah. yeah. So it's like
1: the it's but but there's no like it is finished in the scriptures except for this moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is so in some ways it's like the sum total of in the beginning is now it is finished, like the work of God, like it's going to get reborn from here on out, like there's going to be another garden, there's going to be a new Adam, if you will, there's God, he's about to rise again, and this is the moment where the in the beginning yeah. is finished, yeah. and there's a new in the beginning that comes, yeah. and again, that, that is just something that like stirs in my heart, to take something all the way to completion, because Christ did, and just when we think it's the end, it's like God's got a whole nother life beyond it, you know, maybe that's a word for some of us today. Just to like, man, if, if we're feeling like it's, it's the end, like, okay, let it be finished in our own strength. Let the work be done now and entrust our Father for a new life. Amen. You know, it yeah. seems like God's in that kind of business.
3: Yeah. Amen. Well, yeah, he absolutely is. And, and that's part of the power of the cross for sure. And it brings us right back to that, that final word um, that has to do with the relationship again. Right? All the way through, we've had this notion of relationship woven in and through the scriptures as Jesus hangs on the cross, uh, preparing to breathe his last. And so the final word is, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. The final word that Jesus speaks is a word of relationship. It's a profound word of relationship. And of course, relationship has been the heartbeat of how Jesus has lived for his entire life. Um, We can look into the scriptures and, and see repeated occasions where Jesus says, I don't do anything of my own accord. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only do what the Father does, what I see the Father doing. And then in John 17, he says, I and the Father are absolutely one. So, when he says, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit, what he is doing is that this is is not a statement of finality. This is a statement of conviction. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. I'm certain that your hands are going to fulfill the plans that you have for this world. And I trust that you will tend to what is happening right now. Into your hands. I commend my spirit. Into your hands, I trust that you will carry out these plans. Yeah. And and I wonder if if we don't need to do that more regularly in our lives. Sure. To entrust into the Father's hands the stuff of life. Yeah. You know, the, the fears and the concerns and the pains and the worries and, and the health issues and the financial issues and the questions and the perspectives. If if we don't need to take the time just to entrust into the Father's hands so that he will carry out his plans. Because when we're holding on to stuff, it's not working. <laughs> but when we can entrust into the Father's hands, it means we are convinced that he will carry out his plans.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so good. It's good. Yeah, I, I feel... Um, yeah, it, that's a good word, parent And something that... He, Something that Jesus did within that moment, too, is like he just, he just went through the most agonizing, painful thing, death that any person could ever go through, and it was his father's will, and yet even through that experience that he just had, he chose to trust his father still, and that is, it's like, that's the kind of trust that we're supposed to have, and it's like, wow, wow that's amazing. It, it, um, leaning into into his goodness regardless of that situation that has just happened, and Jesus chose
3: to do that, I still trust you, God.
6: Mm-hmm. Unbelievable.
3: Yeah. It, it really is profound. really is profound. So how, how about you guys? Do you have some things that you need to entrust <laughs> in the Father's hands in this you know, day and age? Like sometimes, you know, I think it's
1: easy to say, like, we're going to just throw our cares and burdens into the abyss, or we're, like, just, I'm going to get them off of me. But, but to place them in the hands of God yeah. is another thing. Yeah. And that's like what he does. Absolutely. In, into your hands. And until you said that, like, it didn't strike me. Uh, it just struck me in a new way, I should say it. Yeah. Like, right now, to place what we have into the hands of the Father. Yeah. I need to do it, man.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But well, I'm wondering if, if we couldn't all just do a little exercise yeah. with that. If there's anything in, in your life that you really want to entrust in your Father's hands. And, and we don't know what that is. It's going to be different for everybody. But, but it feels to me like it's a, it's a good time for us to do that, to, to take that same step that Jesus did and place those things into the hands of the Father. right? So would you just extend a hand with me? Father, we come to you today asking for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to be within us. Lord, we all have things that that we really do need to entrust to you, to place in your hands. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that, that you would hear from heaven and receive all of these things, our fears, our concerns, our children, our finances, our hopes, our dreams, perspectives the anger that rises up within our marriages our work environment I don't know what it is for for everybody but, but I do know that we all have things that need to be placed into the Father's hands so that his hands can carry out the plans that he has for our life so would you please just repeat after me father into your hands father into your hands i command my then place whatever it is in his hands just literally place it into his hands say it in your heart god we thank you for the work done on the cross the power of your son giving his life We ask, Heavenly Father, that now you would come and take all of those things that we have placed in your hands and set us free from them, from the burdens, from the bondages, from the pains, from the anguish, so that we can more fully follow you, live in relationship with one another, and and live out the life that you have called us to. Father, into your hands we commit our life, all of our life, because it is in you Christ you alone that we find our strength and our hope and our freedom in the name of Jesus we pray amen
5: in christ alone.
3: Heavenly Father, we are reminded of what your word says, that we have been crucified with Christ, and so it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. It's because of your death on the cross, Lord Jesus, that we can stand here in this place, surrendering all to you, giving our entire lives to you. And with surrendered hearts, and in the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, we now join together in praying the prayer that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. We thank you for joining us in this time of worship, for coming before the cross. We encourage you to continue reflecting on those last words of Christ until we celebrate the resurrection of Easter tomorrow. We are so glad that you join us.